Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy guest today uh, on the podcast is Elise Sphink, founding director of Sensational Start OT and also works with some business mentoring and clinical supervision and all other good things like that. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Cathy. Been a while, Crocodile. What have you been up to in the last couple of years? Oh, man, it's been a big five years. Gone from just me to three clinics and stacks of stuff and um, a whole other consulting wing on the side of everything else we're doing. Mm. So very big. So how did all of that happen? Let's start with um, Sensational Start OT first. How, mm. you know, how how's that all happened? Just what's that magic about? Yeah, so I think that it has been a a bit of a whirlwind really the first couple of years. So we were really lucky to get an employee. I remember our conversation last time, Kath, I think that I had my first employee and I was like, well, how do I bring somebody on? What does that look like? So I was really lucky with the therapist that came on and then sort of a year and a bit later, we were able to have two new grads. So we've Mm. steadily grown. This year we put on five new grads. So it's been a very big year. Um, but I think with the intent of, you know, purposely supporting and building our staff and choosing to take them as students and then building them the whole way through and having really good Mm. training pathways, we've retained most of our team, which is really cool as well. And, you know, happily growing at a steady rate rather than desperately needing people to come in, which is really nice. Yeah. So those new grads that have come in, wow, what a couple of years they've had as undergrads. What yeah, what have they kind tricky. of Yeah, what have they reported to you about their experience? I guess um we uh, we've got some really unique pathways I guess for how we tend to recruit. So nearly all of our therapists bar one have come in through our therapy assistant program. So they've mm-hmm. all had years of support with us being a therapy assistant, Mm. which has allowed them to then when they've had placements that may have not happened or they've not been face-to-face, they've still had that clinical experience time. So that's been really lucky. But certainly lots of the other new grads that I supervise and mentor and train have not had clinical experience or any time on the ground to know what they're doing and then coming Mm. into roles where they're just expected to be able to do OT but haven't ever seen a client face-to-face. So, Yeah. yeah, really, really tricky. The other thing about um, the graduates of what year are we, 2022, is they haven't had the clinical experience, but they also haven't had the lunchtime banter and the chats mm-hmm. in the car mm-hmm. when you go to get mm-hmm. lunch. And they haven't had the co-working and they haven't seen how assessments get done and how hands get used and equipment yeah. gets. They haven't had all of that other um, professional conversation and laughter and professional playfulness or, or communication stuff seeing what that looks like so in our practice we do lots around like 
what's your learning style and what resonates well with you. And I guess when you're on normal placements, you get to see how therapists actually look in their day-to-day life and go, oh, yeah, I don't really like how she does that. Or, oh, yeah, I like that, how Mm. he's organized in that way. So I think that's probably, you're right. There is a huge part where a lot of the work I do now is people having to find their feet into who they are as a therapist, where previously it was like, I'll pull a bit from that person I've worked with and that person Mm. I've seen and that person. And maybe now they haven't had that experience because there's a quick little phone call check-in with their supervisor. It's that modelling, isn't it? Just that exposure to professional conduct and banter and the rules and the (laughs) flexibility (laughs) and also just the casual doorway conversations of the physio cruising past and the speechy dropping in and sitting around a table in meetings. I think I went to a lot of meetings as a student. Totally. and wardrobes, whatever. Same thing, like even seeing different styles of that. So, and then coming into this NDIS space where then you tend to work relatively isolated, you haven't seen, you know, a clinician who takes the lead in the meeting versus a clinician who sits back in meetings. So, you're coming through, and a lot of my new grads are sitting in that space of who do I want to be in this meeting? So, we have to work a lot around who does the child need you to be? Who does your client need you to be? But instead of you going, oh, I'll pretend to be Elise or I'll pretend to be this person, you don't have all of that bank of mm. people to pull from. Yeah, so they've got a steep couple of professional years, haven't they? Mm. Kind of mm. on the catch-up. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, though, because they get to make their own way. So, yes, they haven't seen it, but then they get to find it out. So the big piece, if you're not addressing it in that early clinical years, but if you've got someone helping mm. you navigate that space, mm. then... Like I think a lot of that was tricky anyway with the NDIS space. They weren't necessarily getting that same experience as what we were getting when we were going to lots of different. So in our area, I think there's probably 30 private practices who offer their and like that's the placement. So you're going into a tiny little practice. So you're not necessarily getting all those experiences on placement anyway because mm. people are so heavily trying to recruit them. Mm. And then there'll be um, some differences with the 2022 cohort graduate cohort in terms of who has been in an AHA type role, who's had mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. paid employment, who's yep. had no employment because it was mm-hmm. just Absolutely. all too complicated in a in a lockdown kind of world. Totally. So yep. there's yep. a few flavors of new graduate, I guess, at the mm, moment. Absolutely. And I guess probably one of the biggest ones coming across from those AHA roles, we've got lots that you speak to who are out there doing the OT role. And that's really tricky to then come in and be the OT without knowing what the difference between Mm. those two roles are. So that can be a really tricky jump where others who come in from a support worker perspective, that can be a really tricky jump again to come in and go, oh, actually, now I'm the therapist. I can't just be Mm. the babysitter or the helper or the driver. Mm. And then that's a whole bunch of other professional learning that you have to do as well. So with a a sizable crew of new graduates, what does that bring into your team culture? Pretty fun but nice at the young team because most of our team have been with us for two to three years now. So even though we have just put on the five new grads, they've all been around for a long time prior to that. So we have a strong culture of growth. So lots of, you know, I guess I love working with this um, period of new grads. I love helping to build their skills and their professional selves and who they are. So personally, I actually think it's amazing because you get to really help them be who the best is that they're going to be, but they're not coming in with a heavy preconceived ideas of things that you don't really value or believe in within your practice. So I guess that allows us really nicely to, one of the things we've done this year is we've got a really beautiful scope where because we've got 
all new grads, they've all got different interest areas. So we can have some who love teenagers and lots who love the little E's and some who like that school age group. So it's really given us that scope where maybe when people come in with more experience, they already work across all those areas. It doesn't necessarily mean that's their favourite area and they love mm. that so much. And so there's lots of passion, mm. lots of, you know, they really want to learn, which is really amazing. Yeah. And is your team at the point that you've got sort of clinical leaders and you've got sort of some lines of report happening? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So we've got um, a senior team, we've got our senior therapy team, and then we've got our leadership team. So we've got um, two senior therapists who one has had 15 years of experience, the other has had three but with because we've been able to put these levels within our practice, we are able to hone their skills and actually build more capacity and actually expand their skills rather than just go, great, you're an amazing clinician and this is it forevermore. Enjoy life as a therapist. So mm. now we can actually go, hey, you'd really love this. Let's go and build your skills in these areas. Now supervision switches from that clinical supervision to how do you be the best supervisor for your therapist and what mm. does that look like? Um, and then I've got another wing of that where someone runs the therapy assistant program. So we've got a few levels. We've got another one who runs the student program. So we're constantly trying to think about how do I best harness your skills and your energy to give you somewhere to achieve for and somewhere to step into because the trickiest yeah. thing in private practice is how do you offer that growth? Yeah, all that, yeah, that sort of opportunity. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the most exciting and satisfying elements of yeah. um, our work mm-hmm. as um, allied health business coaches is to work through the organisational chart, the career opportunities, and actually yeah. build out a structure where people, where clinicians and customer service team mm-hmm. can work through a whole range of yeah. pathway options. It doesn't just Absolutely. have to be clinical as, as yeah. well and into management pathways, clinical pathways, project pathways, study pathways, all sorts of things. And, yep. you know, it's it's so cool to see this and to partner with business owners to achieve this. But it's so good for the industry because yeah, so that good. breadth of option, I don't think, I haven't been employed for a long time, let it be said, but I don't think that breadth of career pathway options is available too much in essentially paid government employment. No, or it's very clear. So, you know, we get, I do a lot of mentoring for therapists as they come back out of like government workplaces and want to come back into the private space. So even thinking you want to come back in to do clinical work, you're actually going to be doing clinical work in a private practice. That's what it's going to look like. So here are the questions to ask the places that you're looking at. Go and ask is there these growth options because you might get bored of clinical work and then go, Oh, clinical work in private world actually means that I see clients all day, every day, forever more. So if I need to balance myself out a bit, I need to be mindful from that going in. Or even I work a lot with people around, let's look at your actual skills right now. Are you ready to take a more senior role? So yes, that opportunity Mm -hmm. is there, but let's look at your professional skills. Let's look at these things. What are things we can build on in this next year? And then we jump into this next level up here instead of you know, now with the workforce mm. shortages, you've got lots of people being pushed into team leader roles who don't actually know how to be a team leader and then still have to manage a caseload and still have to do those things and then go, oh, I haven't actually been taught how to help this person over here or manage these extra people who are underneath me. So I think being very purposeful about it is very helpful as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. We want to set everything in place so everyone has the best chance of success mm-hmm. in their new and emerging roles. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, new and emerging roles. So you've kind of got three sites right now. What What was your thinking around um, staying as one site and perhaps increasing mm-hmm. the, the footprint Where- or going to three sites? What, what yeah. drove that one? Where our location is, we when I opened, I sort of came in just as the first little wave of NDIS had settled down in Newcastle. So um, it had just started on the Central Coast and I used to have clients drive an hour, an hour and a half to come and see me to come to our Belmont clinic. So Belmont is pretty much at the bottom part of the mm-hmm. Newcastle area. So when we were looking, we got approached to go and start working down on the Central Coast Um and once we had that, we had already had two spaces that were an hour apart. So we couldn't bring it back together and have <laughs> one big space. Mm. Um, and then just the area that we service, we're essentially around a massive lake. So regardless, there's this side of the lake that to either of the clinics is 45 minutes in both directions. Mm. So we didn't really have an option when we did come back together. But because we also offer a big um, component of school-based therapy and home-based therapy mm. as well, it would have limited that significantly because we're just on too big of a service area where we're sort of catchmenting. So we've constantly thought about this. This was a really big consideration bringing in the new grads. So the Tugra office actually has five therapy rooms that so our other ones have two. So my little Belmont office used to have six therapists running out of it, two little spaces, like cute. Um, and my new practice manager was always like, are we keeping this place? I'm like, yes, we're keeping it. It's my baby. Like that is our, that's re- like we run so many people out of this space. We can yeah. see heaps in here. Um, but we've sort of, because we are, so I work primarily from home. So all of my stuff is online. So all my supervision and mentoring. So through COVID, it's actually given us this huge scope where we can zoom in on each other's sessions. We don't need to be in the room with them mm-hmm. to be able to do good supervision. So we are able to run these three different spaces and have people feel well supported, even though you don't have someone physically at the clinic with you. So for that purpose, we're looking at, you know, what we do next year. But again, it makes more sense for us to have it separated out to support our clients a lot better than having one central Mm -hmm. place, which would be great for our team. But we're still, you know, mostly on the road anyway. We've been just brought in trying to have a lunch hour. And mm-hmm. it has not been successful because everyone that's when they have their school visits, you know, or they're coming back from their day. So they, that lunch hour time is a prime time to pick up that last client at school before you hit your afternoon clients. So mm-hmm. been a um, tricky thing. So we've had to think about other ways that we can put in that support for everybody as well. Yeah. So following on from that three sites, mobile teams, how do you bring everybody together to create that vibrant culture mm, mm. that you want it's, because it's, good. it's a different crosses, challenge it is it's a real challenge but our team crosses the clinics so they're not all in separate clinics they go to each step of the clinics on different days so we work hard to try and give them bodies as to who they're going to be with and you know thinking about making sure there's a senior on site and early this year when we had so many new grads sort of running around we made sure that, you know, we had senior support available and we try and do a lot where they're comfortable to make phone calls. But coming back to identifying learning styles and some people can't drive and talk at the same time and remember what you've spoken about. So we've had to really consider all of those things and then put that into supervision times and mentoring times and really be very purposeful about how we're supporting our team. So it's not just ad hoc. Here's our hour while you're driving, even though I know you're not going to remember anything that we've spoken about. 
let's give it a time where it works best for you. And that's a big part of our professional development plan as Mm. well. So we do that and then we do peer mentoring once a fortnight, which is split between a senior and the um, new grad team. So then we're getting that time to come back together and spend time. And then we had our first face-to-face get-together in many years um, a few weeks ago as well. So we're trying to do more of that now that COVID is relatively settling down. Somewhat, yeah, somewhat in mm, the, in the in rear theory. mirror. In theory. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how, how would you describe the culture of your team right now? I think we have an excellent culture at the moment. So um, they we've just come through doing our professional development plans, which we do sort of every three months. So everyone's really energised to focus on their new goals that they're working towards or what they're going to be, you know, moving towards this term. Um, they're all very happy and it's settled down. They're, you know, holidays are always a bit of a tricky time. We just came through trying to attempt some intensives in the holidays, which we're not particularly successful Mm. so everyone's happy just to be back into normal therapy times and just get back into the swing of Mm. things um but yeah no everyone's pretty keen and happy just to get back into the day-to-day therapy and we do some really nice reviews and things in the holidays as well so everyone's got a bit of a new sense of purpose with their clients too Mm, bit of a refresh Mm, a bit mm. of a refresh yeah um yeah, because I'm often asked, you know, do I go another site or do I do this or do we mm-hmm. diversify here? And it's always interesting to hear some of those drivers. And it sounds as though yours has been very much community and client mm-hmm. kind of driven. And you've got a, a mobile team that is just hot spotting all over the all yeah. over the all over the, the countryside. Um I'm interested in how the AHAs fit into some of that as well. Yeah, yep. So they must have a lot of stuff in the boots of their car. They do. So we have um, we've had a therapy assistant program for about four years, and I initially started that after I had a second year amazing student who was with me, and I was thinking, how mm. can I just provide my families more support? Like I know because of my model that I tend to use a very family centered model, I get caught up in oh, let's give you some parent education, let's do this, I'm going to contact school for you, I'm going to do this, this and this, to the detriment of that one-on-one time with the child because, you know, the times are spent chatting with the parents. So when I had my student, I was like, oh, this is awesome. My student can take them and I can do all this parent stuff and this actually looks really good. So how, how could I make that work better? So when I brought in our therapy assistants, they were to do essentially home programming. So what was I asking the parents to do at home? And most of our families, you know, they're so overwhelmed and burnt out and don't have capacity to do the ongoing therapy that we'd really love to happen. That then when I could say, why don't I send my therapy assistant home and I can send them home once a week or I could send them to preschool to work on that thing or I could send them twice a week. And then I can cut back my support because they're having that and we can flip to me doing parent sessions. It's actually a really beautiful model and it can offer such amazing things. So we've had, I'm going to say probably 15 to 16 therapy assistants throughout that time um, where we, I train them. So they come to a big training day with me and then most of them we're trying now to have them come through as students. So they've had some really good experience as well. Um, but then we really look at what is the point of having them? Like what, what is the extra thing that they're offering here? So how are they supporting our families? What, what can they do that the therapist isn't doing or that somebody else isn't able to do? So it is really cool. So our therapy assistants are based across two of the sites primarily and we have to calculate who gets the cars because everyone, because of just the locations that we're in, the travel is pretty significant so whoever gets allocated cars we've got kits set up in the cars we've got stacks of resources everywhere 
But we were really lucky through COVID because our therapy assistants were fantastic and they were able to take my caseload over when all those big lockdowns were happening because I couldn't have my little kiddos sitting at home in my sessions with all of my clients. So they were able to do therapy assistant work. with. So that's where it really found its feet and went yep. off really nicely. Yep. And it's not even though... It, as though the AHA service is a plan B. It's a plan A. It's just a different, it's, it's an it's, A+. Plus. It's really, exactly. It's a really nice thing to think of as a separate service. Like yeah. what, how amazing that I can offer you. And what I often think about is I can offer you someone that's not going to get cranky at your kid. I can offer you someone that has patience and has capacity to come and try and get them to, you know, we've got a lot of kids who, you know, maybe called non-compliant slash just tricky to participate in activities. And parents are going, I can't get them to do these things at home. And I can say, well, why don't I spend time with my super fun therapy assistant and they can do those things. Mm-hmm. We've had some really good success when maybe they go to that, you know, speechy session and see what strategies go. And then they start doing those things at home. So they're getting that practice at home that in, you know, best practice world, the parents would be doing, but in real life, no one has capacity to do the level of therapy that we're sort of suggesting needs to happen in that home environment. Yeah, yeah. So we've tracked for nearly half an hour without mentioning the NDIS. Mm. I think we've done really well. We mentioned yeah. it before we hit the recording. So yeah. let's just, I'd, I'd love your opinion on what you think is going to happen to the AHA role in the mm. NDIS context. Mm. Absolutely. Like, let me just reach for my wand and crystal ball. Actually, I don't know where they are. Oh, oh, there you go. They've rolled off the back of my desk. What do you reckon the future of AHA is? Just penny for your it, thoughts. Yeah, I think it's such a tricky area. I um, ran a therapy assistant workshop the other day. One, I think if it's clinicians hiring therapy assistants, then they're going to be used in a more appropriate way. When it's a service hiring a therapy assistant, then that's mm-hmm. when I'm hearing that it can get a bit clunky where, you know, they're doing the OT role and they're doing a whole bunch of stuff that's out of scope. So when we're, like when I sort of teach people around bringing on therapy assistants and go, how are they complementing what you're doing rather than replacing mm-hmm. you? Like how are they providing an alternate, mm-hmm. like a, alongside your service, how mm-hmm. do they fit? So, you know, in theory, if NDIS stays in that space of going, you must have an OT involved or you must have a treating therapist involved and then an AHA Mm -hmm. can sort of do that programming. But I remember when they brought it in initially and there was that chat around maintenance therapy and how terrible it was to suggest that therapy assistants could be, you know, replacing OT or replacing therapists. But the reality is we do need to do maintenance therapy. There are Mm -hmm. times when people need that you know, repetitive ongoing therapy that maybe we don't need that highly skilled therapist to do that bit because you've done all of the big bits for them. And in the past, they would never Mm. have had access to OT for that long or they would never have had access to therapists Mm. for that long and they would have flipped into those models. So I think the biggest concerns in terms of NDIS is them overvaluing the skill set of an AHA because, Mm. you know, their competence is not a clinical competence, their competence is as an assistant. and when they, you know, if it's not under the direction of or overseeing of the treating therapist, I think that's a huge concern there. And that's where I would mm. suspect that we're going to see more plans pushing for that therapy assistant. The other thing that I guess that I'm sort of noticing is it's an AHA, not specific to a profession. So, you know, they're just the AHA. So not going anybody. And when, exactly. And when you go back and look at the AHA courses that exist, we had, um, I tried to have an AHA student come through. And we as a paediatric practice, I couldn't sign them off in their competencies because it was all adult-based. It was all about transfers. It was all about mobility. So then they're coming out qualified as an AHA OT, but 
don't have any pediatric knowledge or experience. Yeah. So I, I, it's a huge, huge area of concern. And yeah, very tricky where I love working with practitioners who want to figure out how to use them in a re- really ethical way, ethical, reasonable, mm. that makes sense. Mm. And it's safe because, you know, they are not ARFA registered. So who's overseeing the safety factor of what's going on for mm. them as well? In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills, and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. When we look through the NDIS lens, I think we think that this AHA stuff is an emerging new career. Mm, They've mm. been around for decades. So long, like, absolutely. Let me just bring out the dinosaurs in the yep. 80s. I had yep. access to them. 100%. And that was in school and hospital settings. Yep. So there's and nothing the new. so much clearer. Like back in those days, it was so much clearer where you sit, how an AHA went alongside you. you they were never the lead in it. You were alongside. It was so connected. So. I think that is a real concern and looking at, I've spoken to um, practice owners who are like, oh, they're trained, they're fully trained, they can just get going. I'm like, okay, but do you know what their training looks like? Because I'm very doubtful that they've done anything around working with children, working with these behaviours, managing any of these things. You know, our therapists aren't coming out with those skills. So how is an AHA who's done a shorter program coming out with that level of skill set? And doesn't mean that they don't have those skills, but not Mm. in that same way. Yeah. My understanding is historically they've come from more of a medical model, medical facilities um, and the like, and a lot of the documentation and frameworks and avowals around Mm -hmm. competencies and I think even some of the driving um, core content in their undergrad courses Mm -hmm. is from that position, totally understandable. And so there's just a whole lot of assumptions that kind of match Swiss cheese mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're being applied into the NDIS. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's a really exciting um, space, um, mm-hmm. really exciting. I think it's an amazing career opportunity for so many people, but at the moment it feels as though there is some risk of mismatch and assumptions yeah. and variable yeah. competencies. And it, it sort of means that the allied health professionals have to kind of shift their thinking a little bit as well in terms of how Definitely. to partner with yep. um, and embrace this as a really interesting service option. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's just, you know, it so often happens in our work, isn't it, is that the clinical on-the-ground practice is just years ahead of 
mm-hmm. years Absolutely. ahead of the infrastructure and even the legislation and the like. But, um, you know, that's where innovation happens. So mm-hmm. it's going to be fascinating to watch this Very professional group emerge over the next five years. Definitely, definitely. Mm, yeah. So you've mentioned COVID a couple of times. Um, we've all been through that thing um, in different shapes and sizes. How has COVID been a good thing for your business? I think probably the best thing that we got was moving to being more comfortable with telehealth. So for mm. when I brought on my new grads, I was able to zoom into a lot of their joint sessions, then be able to sit back, turn off my screen, pretend I'm not there while actually being in that session. So if we go back to when I used to do that, 100%. (laughs) But so good. So I could sit back and previously I would go down to the clinic. So I would drive down to my Tugra clinic, sit outside and then be like half listening and popping in, you know, to give them that freedom that I'm not there running the session. So this has meant so much for our um new grads or just any of our therapists that somebody can zoom in if you're having a tricky time because of COVID we never would have done that that would just never have been a consideration that we could quickly zoom into that session or I could quickly join you on that phone call or let's have that meeting the other thing we've decreased a lot of our travel time like imagine all those team meetings we used Mm -hmm. to drive to I used to drive one time I drove an hour and a half down to a meeting so now I can just be like yep let's just zoom in that's you know three hours of dead time I haven't lost our favorite noun and verb hundred percent. So that I think for us, it's been been huge. We can have teams in different areas without me having to physically drive across all the areas and still feel well connected to everybody where before that everyone would have felt like that was such a loss. But because through COVID, that's what we had to do and we could only communicate with you via Zoom Mm. or phone. Mm. So it's led, I think for us, like if I think five years ago, I would have thought it would be terrible me not being in the office every day. We're now that's it's okay because yep. they've managed without that it's not that I'm missing from there it's that we work from home sometimes and yeah. that's fine we've also probably one of the other things in the clinic when you need a break you just go work from home if you need to do your home like you know write a bunch of reports and you don't want to be around everyone go work from home so it's offered a lot more flexibility mm. you know and probably navigating some of those trickier social situations that we were talking about with that professionalism before to be able to go, okay, guys, I work from home on this day because I'm more productive when I'm home. Yeah. And who knew we needed online forms? Who knew that was going to be such a good thing? How did yeah. we, like yeah. three years ago, we didn't really know, well, there was a small cohort of pioneers, well, even mm-hmm. more, um, with mm-hmm. online therapy and yeah. automated yeah. systems and yeah. online forms and online onboarding. Absolutely. Now it's just mainstream, which is so cool for efficiencies. We um probably the other big one because I've been was running my workshops face to face through OTA. So we probably I had one must have been scheduled for Queensland and ended up going online. And there's pros and cons of that. Like all my workshops now are done online. It means I'm less exhausted when I run them because mm. I'm less I'm less reactive to 50 people in a room to 50 people on a screen. So I can manage my own arousal levels a lot better. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I go, oh, but what are we missing with this face-to-face? Like, are we missing the social connection? What, you know, and then you go, but it's so much easier for everyone. It's so much cheaper for everyone. They don't need to fly places. They don't need to get accommodation. They don't need to take so much time off. So I think from COVID, that's given us that huge scope as well to be able to offer so many more services in different ways to different people. Yeah, and reach reach more. And reach help so more many more in, people. In different ways Absolutely. as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So the other week, this this price guide thing dropped. You know, mm. I'm sure you mm. noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the many drops of the price guide. You know, the many. Let's do it this time. Oh, guys, go. Oh, sorry, we missed that. Let's redo it. Oh, sorry, oh, so music sorry. therapist. Let's just delete that one. I know you've just spent a whole day updating your system, huh? but let's just can that. So silly. And here are yep. some other numbers in very small print. Good luck. Just pick mm-hmm. the right one for kilometres. Oh, OT? OT's back in? Oh, all these guys? No, no, no. Yep. Yep. We were there, Cass. I was there for that ride. Right. <laughs> let's just park all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it what you expected? Pretty much. I wasn't yeah. expecting it was going to increase. I think the talk mm. was pretty strong that it was not going to go up if it was going anywhere but lots of well, it was pretty strong it was going down so 100%. and so many practices I spoke to were expecting a pay like a pay increase so I don't know where they were following along for that because yeah. you know the heavy chatter was if anything it's going down so you know it's it is disappointing it hasn't gone up mm. it's better than it going down so sure you know totally with you on that one yeah yeah like it it's not great but it's still a pretty good rate like if we compare to what we were running businesses on before and a hundred percent the salaries have increased and the overheads Mm. have all increased that that is all very very true but it was a very good rate to start with so you know yeah compared to my private rates it was much better than my private rates and it's the same business so yeah I'm in that medium space Kath I'm not completely cranky that it hasn't gone up Mm. you know I understand it would be better if it went up but also I think we can be mindful about how we're managing these things more yeah and I was talking with some business owners uh, a couple of weeks ago um, had a bit of a late night session to kind of debrief on the price guide and um, I sort of said uh, that had it have gone up five dollars because I often play devil's advocate. Had it gone for up five dollars, what difference would it make? Yep. What would would we be even meeting? Would we be mm-hmm. looking at how we do things differently? Would we be driving innovation yep. that was in the pipeline through a whole lot faster? Yep. And I yep. don't know that we would. If, if it had have gone up five bucks, yes, there may have been a whew, that was close. Mm-hmm. But I I think I, I don't think people would be really looking at their businesses and their operational systems and their packaging and their groups and their AHAs. I don't think any, everyone would be analysing it yeah. to the depth that certainly our clients do to mm. really have a look at how to optimise what yeah. they're doing completely within ethical standards. We're not going to, mm. you know, cause trouble here. But um, maybe if we're looking for some silver linings, perhaps there's going to be more innovation. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what, are you kind of, what are your thoughts on that? I think it is really tricky. I think the bigger, broader space of working in, like particularly in this pediatric space where you can't, you know, I've seen lots of people going, we're just going to bill everything in five minutes. We're just going to do this. We're just going to do that. We're just going to cover ourselves in these Here's ways. a stopwatch. Good luck, people. And you go, well, what about your poor team? Like who on your team is going to want to do that? Like one, because when we, when I teach people around what jobs they're going to look for, you know, it's a big conversation around, okay, well, what do you value? And if you... Do you want to go to a place that you have to track every minute of everything that you're doing? That's fine when you're doing more like report writing and your interactions. Mm. But when you're in a pediatric practice, that is dead time. You are tracking your time. You are stop watching everything that you're doing. It's not a happy space. And I know because I've worked in one of these places, it is not a happy space to sit in. Um, But you're also not doing that for your private clients. 
So unless you're changing your model for your private clients, why are we changing it for our NDIS clients? That's what I, and I've always felt the same, which, you know, we've brought in things over the years to be more comfortable with, you know, okay, mm. we'll bill if it takes more than 15 minutes because reasonably we understand there's a chunk of work that we might do, but that's why we've charged mm. the rate for these things or we get clever, more clever with it. So we do a lot more, okay, did you want me to call that person? Let's finish your session early. Let's do it in your already billed time. So just being more on top of that but that comes back to like we were saying if you haven't have had that experience of seeing other people modeling this or showing you how to make your life easier and how to manage mm. so many different balls juggling then you don't know how to fix it you don't know how to stay on top of your notes you don't know how to do these different things because that modeling piece isn't there and I think there's efficiencies we can look at in those regards that makes yeah. more sense yeah and that's perhaps back under the microscope a li- with a little bit mm, more detail mm. around yeah. it in the light well, even that the with understanding are there. exactly mm. and then having a clinical understanding because probably the biggest thing you come across is that clinical understanding about why these things are taking so we do a lot about why is this happening for you why are you feeling so overwhelmed why is you know why are you not doing this time management is it because this is happening or this has instead of just fix it instead of just hit your billables or why why is this happening instead go okay um it seems like your notes are taking a really long time let's review how you're writing your notes are you doing a clinical reasoning while you're writing your notes do we need to give you time somewhere else in the day to actually sit and do clinical reasoning so i think one of the challenges when you're not clinically looking at how you learn or remembering that new grads which is a huge part of our workforce Mm. right now don't know how Mm. to do these things so just Mm. telling them to do better is not really being fair to them yeah, you reminded me, while I was listening, you reminded me of a comment I saw in a Facebook group. It was it was a while back, but mm. it was an OT who works in an outpatient clinic in uh, the States somewhere. Don't know mm. her name, don't know where. And she just put in this statement that got just 27 million exclamation marks. And it was along the lines of our KPI for session notes is three minutes. Insane insane (laughs) and that was it was just matter of fact and it was completely in context of the conversation and it was just it just got so many completely derailed the whole thread Kath I went and did the APRA learnings from the APRA um complaints did you do that workshop the other day so it was very interesting because you know this whole like you know notes are not that important just quickly jot them down and then they're like your notes are so important you need to be so careful what you're putting in there if you ever get sued make sure it says this documentation so coming back to your AHA chat you know under APRA we actually have huge standards to work under we there is a huge expectation mm-hmm. of what we are meant to be doing AHAs have none of that expectation there is no element of you know, oh, you didn't write your notes properly or you didn't document when you had that chat with Johnny saying that he couldn't get a shower chair and then he went and bought it anyway and now he's saying that it didn't work. So these are all the things that you go, but as OTs, we have to do that. But who's teaching us that you have to do that so that you're covering Mm. yourself well? And then when we're taking shortcuts like write shorter notes, these are the things that get Three minutes. (laughs) Exactly, in three minutes. Or let's not give you time to write notes because you should just be able to quickly write that quick, 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 quick thing. You're like, no, but a note takes five to 10 minutes. Like if I'm doing planning and thinking, where is that time Mm. allocated in my week? Yeah. Do you think AHAs will become a registered profession? Just throwing that hand grenade? I don't know. I'm not at the particular moment, maybe in the Mm. future. Like if it does become a more of a specific role, 
Um, I have seen chatterings about some of the different organizations offering the training and you would hope mm. that potentially not through those organizations. So, mm. you know, you'd want it to be quite regimented what the training process looked like and what they came out as. But it would make sense that if they're working in that health space, that they yeah. you know, have done the health trainings and are compliant yep. with all the health things. And that they're represented and mm-hmm. registered and, yeah. Yep. And accountable. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be one to it'll be one to to watch. So without kind of letting all of the secrets out of the bag, what what are you wanting to achieve in the next 12 months? Hmm, interesting. So we only have one new grad starting next year, so that's exciting. So my leadership team will be primarily being her support person, so that's really nice. So um Last year, I was very excited. I took three months off. So we went traveling as a family. So that had taken 18 months to get organized, get everybody in place to support that. You know, while I was gone, brought on the five new grads. So we were very lucky that that all went as well as we'd hoped it to. So I guess um, where I'm sort of at at the moment is getting my new grads nice and well settled in. Um, so I can transition their supervisions back down to my senior team as well and then have more capacity mm. to do my training so um that's where I'm sort of sitting at the moment oh I just oh I was listening but I really want to hear about where you traveled that sounds great <laughs> so it sounds as though it's really strengthening the team mm-hmm. it was we were very lucky that my fantastic practice manager um and my senior therapist so my other senior therapist went on mat leave at the same time so we were both gone and then my um, mm. practice manager and senior therapist ran the show which they did a fantastic job with um and we were meant so we were meant to travel from august until january and then because of lockdowns only got our like 12 weeks instead of 20 um we went to go around australia we did Mm. south wales so but it was great it was after five very intense years of building the business and every waking thought being around the business it was such a nice shift to go Oh, I actually have no reception. Oh, I can't get on my computer. So that was amazing just to have that break and go, okay, I can actually just have some time to be Mm. a mom with my little kids instead of being everything to everybody else. So unfortunately, we came back and it just went straight back to normal. So I'm working more on my personal work-life balance. That's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, you've had a te- literally had a test drive of what it can be like. Yep, so yep, definitely you know what it takes to kind of get the next three or six months, three months yep, trip yep. sorted. Aren't those practice managers worth their waiting gold? Oh my gosh, amazing. They are so good. Um sorry. Um my practice manager, amazing. So she's like me, but has capacity to do everything that needs to be done mm. instead of me that's like, oh, I, if I had I would do this over here if I had time I do and I'm like can you do this and she's like yeah I'll do these things so it's been actually fantastic because the way that we set up we do um you know we focus so much on our team and how we're going to support our therapist but I don't have the time to be that person for Mm. now a team of 11 people um and so having her be there in that role of can you look after them? Can you be their go-to for those things? And I'll be the go-to mm. for the clinical things. And then my senior therapist is then their next step. So that capacity to go, I know you're really well supported, but it's not me being everyone's everything has been amazing. And the fact that 
you know, she can be my best bigger brain is amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, such a such an asset um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for any kind of business that is growing and or and or scaling. So, yeah. um, and I, I think um, the best the best is still yet to come for practice managers because mm-hmm. once again, that's a growing growing profession yeah. within the allied health uh, community. Um, yeah. And yeah, to get some diversification out of medical practice managers. And I think and- as well, thinking about a lot of the um, workplaces that I've worked with, when they have a practice manager who's come across from a different health field or a different role, maybe don't remember that they're working with new grads. You know, your predominant workforce is mm-hmm. a very early career workforce. So we can't treat them the same way we would treat experienced clinicians. Like, tell me what you're up to. Why don't you just manage your time better? With these guys, we have to sit with them and hold their hands to find out their styles mm-hmm. and support them with these things and invest that time in them. It's not a point at the moment where you can go, hey, guys, just sort that thing out. Like, that's not happening. Fix it. That, that's not appropriate for them. They need mm-hmm. somebody who can go, hey, I can see this is tricky for you. Let's support you to come up with some strategies to better manage it for yourself. So I think that's a huge piece that I've found is really tricky. And then the other thing, especially in our practice, when we've had different admin people come on board, shifting into that model of we don't just shove in whoever into any appointment. We think, who is the best therapist? Why is that therapist the best person for that presenting client? Mm. So you do need a little bit of skills navigating that and moving out of let's just fill 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 that's the most important thing so we are so mindful with our um with our team around when we're building particularly the new grads going okay looks like they're getting a bit overwhelmed let's pause it there do we just cancel that person for this week give them a little bit of a week to settle down so you need someone who's in that same headspace as you to go okay our values is keeping our staff not smashing through those kpis right now that isn't the priority right at this minute as i'm onboarding people yeah, and your PM is sort of like your your external hard drive and frontal mm-hmm. <laughs> frontal mm-hmm. lobe. They just bring yep. that operational excellence Absolutely. and develop systems that you didn't even know that you needed. You probably knew you needed them, but you were mm-hmm. going to get to them at some yeah, point. Yeah, one day, one day yeah. you were going to get there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so good to catch up. I'm thrilled to bits that uh, business is rocking and rolling for you. Thank you for so much for coming in and sharing the latest chapter. No problem. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.